Romans right now is the Apostle Paul is now on the one string guitar that he has. He's the Apostle Paul's brilliant, but he really has one message. And that one message, all through all of his letters, this is the centerpiece of all of Paul's writing. The fact that you are saved by faith apart from works. This one thing, all of his letters focus on this one thing. The point of the Apostle Paul's letters, and really the point of Christianity, is that you can't save yourself. In a society that promotes self-help and self-promotion, that can be hard to hear. It can also be a relief, though, as Pastor Daniel will explain in today's message. This means that you don't have to do anything to be saved. Jesus already took care of the hard part. You just need to bring him your faults and let him cover them in grace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 4 as he begins his message, Saved by Faith. You know, one of the biggest tensions we have in our world today is as it relates to the things of spirituality. I mean, we live in a day and age where the fastest growing religion in the West is actually the spiritual but not religious category. It seems to be one of the most fashionable ways to look at life, which says, in a lot of ways, I'm spiritual, but I actually don't want to get committed or tied down to anything. I just kind of want things to be open and wide open. And as you see in the world, people of different, um, whether it's traditional religious backgrounds or uh, non-traditional religious backgrounds, spiritual, but um, when you put them all together, it creates a lot of tension. But the thing is, is I don't know about you, I grew up in the kind of family where they said that you shouldn't talk about religion or politics at home. You guys ever have that? Yeah, some of you did. They said that you weren't supposed to, except when they wanted to and they wanted to fight about it. You know what I mean? So I grew up in that kind of a family where around the holiday table, we didn't really talk about religion that much, but uh, politics was a hot topic, so to speak. But when you think about what spirituality is, spirituality has everything to do with people trying to figure out how to save themselves. That's what it's really about. You know, and not only is religion and spirituality about that, actually all of modern day marketing is about that. How do you save yourself? I mean, you look at the commercials, right? It's like all of a sudden, like, you know, there's somebody and their life looks boring because they're like everybody else. They have a job, they have a house, they have maybe a family. But then you buy the new SUV and before you know it, you are off-roading, you know what I mean? And really, what they're saying is, is buy this car and we will save you from boring life hell. That's what it is, right? Or, of course, the cosmetics industry. This is a, made, a multi-billion dollar industry. It's like all of a sudden, you know, there's a, a little cosmetic thing that comes on and, you know, the woman puts the cream on her wrinkles that come from being so happy as she ages. And before you know it, man, she is glistening. Right? So if you spend a couple hundred dollars, you can save yourself from aging hell by buying this anti-aging cream. You know, of course, and of course you have like the beer commercials where it's like, you're lousy, but if you drink this beer, everyone's going to think you're really cool. Right? And, and so, so really what it is, is in each one of these things, what they're offering is they're offering in a sense salvation. This is how you get 
where you want to get to. This is how you get the life that you want. And not only is that true in marketing today, that's true in religious ideas and all these different things. And whenever I think about the idea of what makes Jesus or Christianity unique, I always think about something that happened in my family. You know, being a parent is such a a great life experience. And kids are a riot in that way because, you know, they don't realize that they're being hysterical. And I'm always looking for sermon material. So my kids give me ample opportunity. Now, a number of years back, this is a number of years back, you know, Obadiah was probably about uh, 10, so about three years ago. And you know, when, when boys are in that like early double digit years, the last thing that they want to do is take a shower. You know, I mean, now Obadiah is older now, and so he, like, he wants to take a shower and do his hair. But there was that time when it was like, you know, Obadiah, you need to take a shower. And he'd be like, I did. And then me and Lynn, we would give him the smell test. You know, we would Rochambeau for who was going to give him the smell test because it always turned out like he had a high percentage of being just straight stinky at that point in his life, you know. And so sure enough, he's like, he's like, I took a shower. I did. I did. And, and, and Lynn lost the Rochambeau. And so she had to smell him and she lost some hair follicles because of that. And so she sent him upstairs. She's like, man, go take a shower. And so he went upstairs and then he came back down about five minutes later. And we're like, did you take a shower? And he's like, yes. And then I'm like, well, we're going to smell test you again. And he smelled exactly the same, but like a wet version of it. So, you know, like a wet dog smell, except it was a wet dude smell. You know what I mean? And that was really nasty because it was like hot, wet, dude, nasty smell. And so sure enough, we're like, man, you go take a shower and then I get involved because I'm like, man, I'm like, you could have done it right the first time. You could have been already moved past this thing. So he goes on up, but he comes back down again about five, like it felt like 30 seconds later. And he had this gleam in his eye. You know what I mean? And he's like, I took a shower. And I'm like, man, that was the quickest shower in history. So he's like, you could smell me. So since Lynn was already in it, I was not getting involved. So I'm like, sweetie, go check that out. And she sniffed him. She's like, hey, you smell pretty good. You know? And she's like, but I know that smell. And so Obadiah's got like, I'm done. And then all of a sudden, about 30 seconds later, Obadiah's like, ow. 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 And we're like, what's wrong? He's like, I sprayed air freshener on myself, you know? And so then, you know, we were worried. So we throw him into the shower for real, you know what I mean? And then when he put the, when the water hit the air freshener on the skin, it had like an, another reaction. And needless to say, Obadiah is never going to use air freshener to take a shower again. But in a lot of ways, that's where most of us land in regards to getting saved. Most of us land in, I have to figure out how to save myself. Right? And instead of truly getting clean, like taking a shower with soap, we come up with like, I'm going to put some air freshener on myself. Right? And if you look at all, every religion, there is this, this is how you get saved. And it's always, this is how you put air freshener on yourself. Like, so you stop doing this and you stop doing that and you do this thing and you go visit this place and, and you do this act and you perform this way and that way. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of those things are not bad. But they actually don't save you. See, and all this self-help today, I always talk about it. We live in a utilitarian culture where we love things that we can use as a utility. And those changes that you make, it's good. Like if you're a negative person, you say, I'm going to be a positive person. Listen, that's a good thing for you and everybody who comes in contact with you. But just because you used to be negative and now you're positive doesn't mean that you've gotten saved. You've just made a positive change. Does that make sense? So I don't want to knock those things or, or say that those things are not useful in some way. They're very useful, but it actually doesn't save you. 
It's just a good, healthy change. And so when we look at Christianity, Christianity is the only, Christianity is the only religion that says, actually, there's nothing you have to do to get saved. You don't have to perform a certain way. I know it's strange because you're like, well, but hold on a second. And we'll, we'll unpack what it means. But really what Christianity says is that the only way for a person to be saved is to put their faith and trust in Jesus. That's the only way for someone to be saved. That there's nothing that you can do to add to that. There's nothing that you can do to say, because I do this now that I know that God accepts me. Christianity is the one faith, traditional, non-traditional, that says actually there's nothing that you have to do. It's been done for you. And really where we are in the book of Romans right now is the Apostle Paul is now on the one string guitar that he has. He's, the Apostle Paul's brilliant, but he really has one message. And that one message, all through all of his letters, this is the centerpiece of all of Paul's writing. The fact that you are saved by faith apart from works. This one thing. All of his letters focuses on this one thing. And what's amazing is, is even for those of us here, and I realize everyone is in a different place in their faith journey here. The fact that you are saved by faith apart from works is still the most controversial spiritual position ever. In and outside the church. But we're going to unpack it. The Apostle Paul loves to remind us of who Jesus is. That's what he loves to do. And really what the Apostle Paul, if you go back in Romans chapter 3, it says this in verse 28. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from deeds of the law. Right there, that conclusion. A person is justified, is saved, is declared just as if they had never done anything wrong. By faith apart from works of the law. That is the central message of the good news of Jesus. That it's not about what you do in response to it. It's about the fact that Jesus did the work and that you have received that. Does that make sense? And so from there now, the Apostle Paul, he wants to backtrack in a way. And he wants to show how both Abraham and David were both the recipients of the same thing. Because remember, the Apostle Paul's been making this case that whether you're Jewish, whether you're non-Jewish but moral, like you're a, a moral, non-spiritual person, or whether you're totally off the grid, everybody is in need of a savior. So now that he's made the case that everybody can be saved by faith apart from works of the law if they believe in Jesus, now he wants to backtrack and he wants to say, okay, now listen, Abraham, the patriarch of Judaism, guess what? How was he saved? David, the great king who wrote most of the book of Psalms, how was he saved? So Paul backtracks and says, look at what it says. So look at what it says in verse 1 of Romans 4. It says, but then, what then shall we say that Abraham our father was found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does scripture say? Abraham believed God, And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Now, first what we see here is that Abraham was saved by what? By faith. 
Abraham was saved by faith. See, he brings it back now to Abraham. What shall we say then? Abraham. What did he find according to his flesh? He said, if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. See, that great patriarch Abraham, he was saved by faith. But he was an amazing person. Remember, all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, Abram was called by God to leave his family and go into a land that he didn't know where he was going. And God promised that he was going to make a great nation out of Abraham. And Abraham took the step. And sure enough, as God showed Abraham all the land, and remember him and his nephew Lot, their wealth was growing as God was blessing, and then their servants were fighting. And even though God had promised the land to Abram, Abram trusted God and said, well, Lot, you can choose. If you go say, go north, I'll go south. If you say, go south, I'll go north. Right? And at every step of the way, Abraham was a man who God did mighty things through. But really what we're finding is that Abraham was not saved by all those things. Abraham was saved by faith. His faith in the Lord is what saved him. Even though he did amazing things, Abraham couldn't boast that his salvation came from any of the things that he had been doing. I mean, when you think about the story of Abraham, maybe the most provocative, of course, was after Isaac was born, the, the son of promise. Do you remember him and Sarah had for a long, long time? I mean, at the time that Isaac was born, Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was 90. Now this was thousands of years ago. So those of you who are a little older, babies can still happen. <laughs> I just gotta say it, man. This was, you know, like, so I was talking to my grandma about this. My poor grandma, I love her so much. She's like, well, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm like, well, you're still younger than Sarah was when she had her baby. And she said, God forbid. So my grandma says, she's so funny. She's like, God forbid. Don't even say that. But what's amazing is, of course, after Isaac was born, he was the child of promise. And remember God said, I want you to sacrifice your son. Now you have to realize, because that story people freak out about. But you realize that God never, it was never God's plan for Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It was always God's plan to use that as a picture of the father who's truly going to sacrifice his son for the sins of the world. See, God invited Abraham to live out a prophetic action that was going to have meaning to us even today. For thousands of years. See, when the Jewish people heard about God the father sending his son Jesus to die on a cross, in their mind, the story of Abram and Isaac was going to pop up. Because if you remember in that story, God said to Abraham, he said, listen, I want you to go sacrifice your son. I told him where to go, which was actually the exact same place where Jesus was crucified. And Isaac, when he's walking up the, the hill, says, father, you know, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham answers, God's going to provide himself a sacrifice. Now, really what he's saying is that God is going to provide his own sacrifice. But if you look at it in the Hebrew, it actually says God will provide himself a sacrifice. People don't even realize that this stuff is in there. And what's amazing, what did Isaac carry onto that mountain? The wood for the fire. Picture of the cross. See, all of this is in this one story, right? But God had a provision. 
And it was always about Jesus. And what's amazing is, is even with all those things, none of those things justified Abraham. Abraham still made mistakes like everybody else. Like remember the couple times he lied about his, his wife? She's my sister. She's my sister. The thing is, is that Abraham was never saved by all these amazing things that he did. All these amazing things he was involved in. He was always saved by faith. So although he was an amazing person, he had things to boast about before other people, but not before God. Because look what it says in verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. That's a quotation from Genesis chapter 15 verse 6. Abraham what? He believed God. And because he believed in God, it was what? It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now that word accounted, it's an accounting term. It literally means it was reckoned unto him. It was imputed to him. And right there in Genesis 15, 6, we get the good news of Jesus. How is someone saved? When you believe God and you believe in his son Jesus, then God reckons unto you the righteousness that Jesus had in himself. That's the good news. And I'm here to tell you, this is why Christianity in every generation, and especially in our generation, is so challenging. Because we live in a, you gotta do it. You gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You gotta be a self-made person. You have to take those steps. And Christianity comes and says, well, actually, no positive step that you take will actually save you. Only believing upon Jesus can save you. Now, you know why this is so challenging? Because we have all learned that if you do good, you will be loved. And if you do not do good, you will not be loved. Right? We all have been raised in an environment that is love is conditional. I'll love you if you do the things I want. And a lot of us, the love, the environment that we were raised in was so broken that even if you did the things they wanted, they still didn't love you. So you spent your whole life trying to do all these things that you think that your parents wanted or the people around you wanted, and then you did them and you still didn't get the love that you were hoping for. Right? And so we've all been socialized in a culture that says, In order for you to have, you need to do. And then Christianity comes in from a completely different angle. Where the good news is not that you have to do so that God loves you. The good news is is that God loves you and Jesus already did. And because Jesus already did, then we trust in Jesus. And because we trust in him, we are accepted by God. Now, what I love so much about this good news of Jesus is the fact that it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how bad your history is or isn't. Everybody comes in need of a savior and all you need to do is believe upon Jesus who was God's provision. And you gotta ask yourself, are you trusting in Jesus or are you trusting in your performance as you respond to Jesus? See, we always talk here about simply responding to Jesus. Because once you're saved by Jesus, then that, it changes the way that you live. But I'm here to tell you, nobody is saved by the fact that God changed how they lived. And actually, if you look in the scriptures, everybody who's been saved in the Bible still made mistakes, didn't they? I mean, me and my kids were just talking about this the other day. Actually, I'll tell you now, even though I'm getting ahead of myself. We were talking about King David. And one of my kids was like, hey, so, but didn't King David like make a really bad mistake? I'm like, yeah, lots of them. 
But he wrote so many of the Psalms. Yeah. He was a picture of the great king. Yeah. And I'm like, because just because someone's saved doesn't mean that they're not a knucklehead sometimes. Just because someone's saved doesn't mean that they're never going to have an issue. They're not going to make bad decisions. The Bible is full of people who make bad decisions. Because the thing is, is if you were saved by your performance, every bad decision throws you out of the kingdom of God. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you and I are saved by faith apart from the things that we do. See, what's interesting is in verse 4, what the apostle Paul does is he sees that when you are working, the wages are counted as debt. So what he's saying is that You know, like when you work at your job, whether you get paid salaried or hourly, you do the job and then you expect the paycheck because you showed up for work, right? Now, if you have a job, and everyone should have a job where it's like you only get paid if you do the work, right? Like if you don't show up, you don't get paid, right? So really, when you get a paycheck, you don't see that paycheck as a gift because you earned it, right? It's like, and if imagine if you did the job and your paycheck comes and the money's not on there, then you're like, uh, excuse me, HR, I did the job. Why didn't I get paid for it? And then you get into that whole thing. See, it's not a gift. It's a debt that is owed to you because of what's going on. In biblical times, they would pay workers at the end of every day. And the reason they did that was because it, it limited the opportunity for employers to take advantage of employees. Like now, you know, people get paid every two weeks or once a month, you know, and there's more protections for employees than there was in previous cultures. But really what he's saying is that if you're getting saved by works, it's actually not a gift at all. You're actually trying to earn your way in. And unfortunately, even though many of us believe in Jesus, we still have a relationship with God that is like that. Where it's like, Lord, I didn't do that thing that I've been doing for a while. Why haven't you done what I'm asking you to do? Right? Like, Lord, I started being really regular, going to church at Crossroads. And I joined a small group because Pastor Daniel told me, join a small group. And I did all this stuff. Now, why did I not get the free car that I've been waiting for? Why didn't I win the $1 billion Powerball or whatever? I mean, like, Lord, you owe me now, right? Like, I used to do all this, and I don't do it anymore, and now you owe me. And guess what? That is not the gospel. That's us thinking that if we do better than we did yesterday, then God owes us. And what's amazing is, is for a lot of us, our walks with Jesus are challenging because you actually think God owes you a whole bunch of stuff. You think that God is like a bad credit risk. Where it's like, I did all these things, and Lord, why haven't you done what you promised? Like, like Lord, I've done all these things, and why haven't you sent me my spouse? Mm. Right? I'm going to go find my own spouse. Forget waiting on you, Lord. I'm going to do it my own way. And then you start going to the bar, and you start being dumb, and then you wonder why you're miserable. Jesus is Think of all the biblical characters you know. Abraham, Isaac, King David, even the Apostle Paul. These people are all known as pillars of righteousness. But each and every one of them was flawed. Today, Pastor Daniel shared why these people, susceptible to sin just like you, were meant to be studied. They had faith in their Creator, trusting Him to fulfill promises and save them from spiritual death. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. 
And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will encourage you to remember that being a believer redeemed by Jesus isn't a one-time occurrence. You don't simply accept Jesus and then continue to live your life as you did before. Following Jesus means that you come back to him time and time again asking for His grace to continue to cover your life. Keep Jesus as your focal point. He'll keep the rest of life on track. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series, Life Intention. Until then, may God bless.